I can't remember a time in my life where someone hasn't hated me. From a young child, I was labelled too loud, too wild, too much. Somehow, despite it all, it has never fazed me. Don't get me wrong, of course at times my ego has a pity party, but it's always been short-lived and the judgement of others has only fueled me to be even louder. I've survived childhood abuse, eating disorders, heartache, homelessness, substance abuse and everything in between. Join me as I dive into it all and hopefully my rambles can encourage you to be your most outspoken self. Let's get controversial together. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Outspoken with the Controversial Queen. Um, Today I wanted to touch on, so this is a trigger warning again, I will be touching on sexual abuse and I know the last few episodes have been quite deep and quite heavy um, but this is just where I'm at at this chapter of my life and I'm sort of going through a lot and processing a lot and I sort of wanted to touch and explain um, you know why I'm at this place in my life, why um, some of my content is you know, speaking more and more about my childhood abuse um, and in the context that it is. Um, right now, it's not speaking in like an educational um, or informative viewpoint. It's really just a raw and open viewpoint. So um, I've made no um, secrets that I'm going through a lot. I've been going through a lot of depression and anxiety and there's so many factors that have contributed to that. There's so many things um, you know, that have pushed me to where I am right now. And it's just forcing me to do a lot of healing. And I've been, you know, as, as a um, survivor of childhood abuse, I've been working on that healing journey um, for years since it happened, but especially since I've become a mother. But um, I've never really unpacked all of it um, and, and um, dove and dove and dived, (laughs) um, dived into the parts of, of this journey that I have. And, um, you know, I've, I've done certain tools and, and, um, strategies that I've learned, you know, online and through other people over the years. But, um, I think I'm really at that point where like, I've tried counseling in the past, um, and therapy in the past, but therapy and counseling, like I, I personally think it does you no good unless you find your person. Like you really have to connect with your therapist. And I've tried so hard over the years and then I just sort of gave up. And, um, I think I'm at that point now that I really have to dive in and and start putting my feet in and finding a good therapist again. Um, because I, I obviously haven't dealt with everything, um, correctly. And so many things have been pushed down and there's so many layers to my abuse and to my healing that like it's just been hard to unpack and even know where to start but um yeah right now like I'm bringing up a lot of stuff and I know a lot of people are like why are you looking into that why are you reflecting back on that because it's never been dealt with properly and um you know there's there's with my abuse part of the layers with that is the emotions and the trauma that I have to do with my mother. Um, and for so long, I've been afraid to unpack it one, because I've tried to coexist with her. And anytime I think about it or bring it up, it triggers a lot for me. And it's hard to be around her. Uh, two, it's hard because she's still alive. Um, you know, I felt so burdened and, um, bad. I don't want 
um, society to, um, you know, condemn her, uh, which I know so many people will. And, you know, I guess that's her, that's her, the consequences of her actions. You know, I don't owe anybody secrecy and, but I don't like, I, I want to make it clear. Like, I don't know. It's kind of one of those things that's really hard, right? Like we all go through moments where, you know, we even have minor issues with our family, right? it's like, well, I can say shit about it, but you're not allowed. Um, <laughs> and I don't, you know, I really want to get to a point. I really do want to get to a point that I could have a civil relationship with my mother, but I, you know, I don't know if that will ever happen. Who knows? Like, um, you know, in a week from now I might feel different. It's hard. I've tried to allow her in my life because I'm so desperate to have a mum. And I don't know, this is why I need therapy. I don't know whether there's just some things people do that just, that is unforgivable and you shouldn't forgive them. Or, you know, should I be trying to, you know, allow her to continue to have a relationship with her grandchildren, but we'll never get along or, you know, maybe one, one day we will have a relationship. I don't don't know. It's hard. It's hard. And I am going to start to speak up a little bit more about my abuse and the relationship that I have with my mom and, um, you know, all the people that turned a blind eye to my abuse, because there's a lot, there's a lot of people that should be held accountable and, you know, they're not the ones that did the abuse, but they allowed it to happen and they allowed, um, you know, me to be in shitty situations. And this involves immediate, immediate family members, you know, my own mother, um, you know, perhaps as I dive deeper, my dad could have fought harder. I know he tried his best. Um, maybe there were things he could have done. I don't know. Um, the system, you know, the police, uh, uh, child protection, um, the program, the counselling program we were forced to enter um, to, you know, connect this abuser back into our family and that program was called Cedar Cottage. Like there's just so many elements to it all. And when you have been through child abuse um, and you become a mother yourself, things can come back up for you, feelings, emotions, trauma, Um, you know, you suddenly realise, like, obviously, you know, children being abused is a horrific thing and you fucking lived it. But when you're holding this little child in your arms, you suddenly make that connection as to really how sadistic that is to, to have this child that it is your job to love and nurture and care for. And, you know, abuse still happens. So there's that side of things a birth can be traumatic and bring a lot of things up for people and open wounds, you know, and I had my birth trauma repair and that opened up a lot of things, being vulnerable again. And, um, you know, Munro now, like, obviously I've had boys um, and they've been the age that I was when my abuse was at its worst and, and that's upsetting. Um, but it's just something, there's a different element to it when you are um, a mother and you have a daughter and you understand, you know, and I see her innocence and she's very, a lot like me in her innocence to the world. And, you know, she'll be wearing, you know, a, a little nighty and still doing, um, you know, cartwheels and things like that. And just so like oblivious to the, the dangers of this world out there. And I can see so much of myself in her and, and the vulnerability in that. And it, it's an overwhelming feeling then to know that the people around you, when you were that age and that innocent and that 
you know, vibrant and that, you know, comfortable jumping around and all of these things to know that no one helped shield you from really horrific things. And even when they knew that that shit happened, still allowed you to remain, you know, connected to your abuser. Like it's, it's fucking deep. And, um, I recently shared just a, just a smidgen. I made a TikTok the other day where I was going through old, some of my dad's old paperwork and it, in it, I don't even know what the context of this paperwork is. Like I'm still diving into it so much. I still want to apply, um, through freedom of information for my old files from child protection. Although, uh, I'm not holding my breath on how much information that will, um, include because I know they're very good at suppressing information, but, um, I was looking through this paperwork that my dad has for some reason and it, and it touches on, you know, the investigations and there's the dates of some of the claims that were made um, and child protection ignored those claims and ignored, you know, instead of investigating the concerns, they ignored it. And, um, you know, even when they knew about my abuse in this document, um, it speaks up where my mother has had been more concerned for um, – I don't know if you can hear that noise in the background. <laughs> That's really distracting. I don't know. Somebody is out there doing something. Uh, I need a proper setup for this stuff. But anyway, um, you know, she was more concerned about her partner than she was her own daughter when things had come out. So anyway, I'd made this TikTok where, you know, this realisation that every single adult in your life allowed you to be in harm's way and um, more so my distaste and heartache um, was around the entire family. You know, they hated my dad and, you know, I'm, I love my dad. Um, but I'll be the first to admit he had his faults. He was an asshole. He could be an asshole. He wasn't a perfect father. He did the best that he could with the capacity that he had and the tools that he had. Right. And, um, you know, I, I lived with him. I know that he could be an asshole. However, um, you know, his arrogant chauvinistic behavior, um, it didn't tolerate child abuse and he was the only adult. And I can look back in those paperwork now and see that, you know, he was reporting and didn't want us near mum and didn't want us near Will, the person that abused me. Um, he didn't want us around that person, but the entire family still condemned him and still, you know, would speak down on him to us children, to me and my sister and, you know, make out that he was this awful person and he just wanted to steal us from mom and speak down on us. And, and I, as an adult now and a grown woman, and I reflect on that and I think, well, excuse me, like how, how can you know that children have been abused and think that the person trying to remove them from that situation is the bad person. Like not the person still staying with your pedophile. Like, are you kidding me? You know? And I mean, no one should be speaking ill of somebody's um, parent to children anyway, but whatever. Anyway, so I'd made this TikTok and I hadn't named names. You know, I was just diving into it. I'm just, this is my process. I'm trying to purge it all. I'm trying to heal. I'm trying to shift through things and work through things and also be, you know, this content creator and you know, try and explain and show where I'm up to with my healing and what I'm doing because I'm sorry, but I can't be fucked to film, you know, a day in life and going to the beach. I got my nails done. Like, I'm just not there right now. Like, you know, I'll do that content again eventually, but right now I'm fucking trying to, you know, survive, right? So I just did this little video and, you know, asking like, how could you, like, how could you to the system and to the adults? And I posted it up on my Facebook as well. And Rather than message me privately, 
one of my aunties decided to comment on the platform and declare their innocence and they were still a child, which is bullshit, actually. They were young, a young adult. Now, this entire family, and I'll start to unpack and I'll start to go into it, they're all fucking head fucked. They're all fucking head fucked. And I think really, I'll, we'll never understand why, but I truly believe that all of those um my family, like my aunties and uncles. So as children, I truly believe they've seen or been through some heavy shit, right? Because every single one of them, I think there's nine siblings in total, they all accept sexual abuse. They all accept pedophiles, right? We have an uncle who who has abused our cousins and our cousins have desperately tried to speak up about it and they all turned a fucking blind eye. So there's a, there'd have to be, like statistically speaking, right? You You might get one or two fucking idiots that just fucking excuse child abuse, but for all of them to just turn an eye and be accepting, like they've seen some fucked up shit, right? So they're fucked up. They've got issues. I know it. I know that, but that's no excuse to allow children to remain in that situation. Like I couldn't give a shit, hell or high water, if my nephews had ever been abused and my sister left them in that situation or stayed with their abuser, I would take those kids. I would say, you're never fucking seeing them again. See me in court, cunt. Like I would, you know, cut her off. I'd probably honestly like physically abuse her um but I at the bare minimum I would take those children and I'd say I don't care like they're staying with me you you go and do your own shit and so it blows my mind that none of them did that right so anyway I didn't even specifically throw the blame at any of them but she just got a backup obviously for a reason like you know that you hold you're accountable for some of the things right and you know you didn't even just turn a blind eye to my shit it's all the other shit it's all the other shit that's happened in our childhood to all of the cousins and all this fucking bullshit. But she got triggered, commented. Then um, one of my cousins, um, she obviously got triggered for her own mother. Now, when my abuse was happening, she would have been in fucking nappies, right? She was a baby. And now she's trying to be this grown woman and speak on my platform and, you know, leap to her mum's defence. And, oh, she, she goes, oh, I know for a fact my dad uh, wanted to kill Will. how the fuck would you know that for a fact? You are literally in nappies. Like you have no idea what you're on about. Do not fucking come on here disregarding my fucking lived experience. Like I'm the one that lived it. I think I fucking know what happened, right? And obviously as a child, there'd be other things that happened in the background, but don't dismiss what I fucking know for a fact happened. Like you weren't there. You weren't fucking there. So that irritated me anyway. I fucking went back and forth and I just blocked her. And then another Arnie had commented something, but then blocked me, went and blocked me on Facebook. Like I hadn't even fucking thrown all the fucking shade that I'm going to, mate. They have no idea what's fucking about to unpack <laughs> um, and, and the shit that's going to come out. But I was just gobsmacked. These people think, one, they have a right to get so defensive, two, speak on that fucking, like, do you have no shame that you're speaking that in a public forum? Like everyone can see that you're the piece of shit now. I didn't fucking name you. I didn't go and fucking name who you were and now you've just put yourself there um and yeah like if you were truly innocent in that would you not message that person and go Sarah like I'm so sorry you feel that way like I didn't know or this or you know there's things you don't know like no you just wanted to publicly defend yourself that's all you fucking cared about so anyway it's fucking weird it's weird it's a weird situation and this that Arnie one of the ones that commented publicly um went and then private messaged my sister um, I wanted to know, make sure she didn't feel that way. Oh no, I do you like, so you can give her enough respect to do that, but not me. But anyway, whatever, whatevs, trevs. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to read another blog that I'd done a few years back speaking about sexual abuse. Now I haven't reread this since I wrote it. So maybe things have changed. 
Uh, I might cut off halfway through to speak about things because I, I just, I didn't even want to read it before I did this thing. I just wanted to read it authentically with you guys. So I'll read that out and then we'll go from there. We'll touch a little bit more later. So I can't remember how many years ago. This is, I think it was pre-homelessness. So we're talking probably at least three years ago. I've been working on past trauma and healing lately. Well, actually for 20 fucking years. It's a work in progress. Lord knows I have a long way to go. It is excruciating to keep reopening old wounds, letting pain flow from me for a while before I hit the panic button and shove it all back down. I truly understand how some people might carry this type of internal wound to their grave. The process of dealing with this, with it all, is in many ways more painful than the abuse itself. The thing is, I know this festering wound is holding me back from the life I dream of. Even on my best days, memories lay dormant, softly whispering to my insecurities. I've decided they can't live there anymore. It's time to start purging. What better time than on the eve of a new moon? Oh, there you go. Um, unfortunately, my childhood nightmare wasn't a fleeting moment. It wasn't a scary man diving, driving past the school or throwing kids in his van. Like many others around the world, it was someone who claimed to love me. It was someone who lived under my own roof. It was someone who declared his love for our family and took my mother's hand in marriage. It was someone who was there every day and every night, ensuring that my memories of childhood were drowned out by his revolting torture. My stepfather stole my childhood, my innocence, my bravery. He ripped my relationship with my mother to shreds. He tore my family apart. He purposely poisoned our relationship with our father to try and keep him away. And when he was finally finished with me, I was left with an emptiness that set me onto a path of self-destruction in my teens. By 14, I could not get through a day sober without breaking down. On any given day, if anyone was to look under my bed, they'd find bottles and bottles of alcohol. The only love I knew was objectification. The only good quality I knew of myself was my sexy body. In so many ways, I've grown, I have healed, but there's one part of me that needs to speak. The adult me, the mother me, the roaring and fierce woman in me. She's got a few things to say. This open letter will be my last fuck you to the evil creature who lives his life now without a care in the world, who lives amongst a community unaware of his crimes, unaware of his filthy desires and unaware that William Noel Vincent Aylward has a sick fetish that he will never change. I've sat here this afternoon with my blood boiling and tears flowing, reading through some of the paperwork we have around this case. Most notably, the letter he kindly wrote my 11-year-old self, casually explaining how aroused and excited I had made him and that he used me for his own fantasies and sexual pleasures. No real sorry, just a plain old justification. By the way, this letter that he wrote was part of his program in the Cedar Cottage program. So that's this is what they would get their abusers to do, write a letter, face up in front of the child and read out how sexually aroused they were. Anyway, when Will abused his first victim, my sister, she spoke up immediately, like we all expect our children to do. But like most abusers, he denied it and told everyone she was lying. He then went on to claim it was an accident and my sister was forced to take back her cry for help and tell everyone she made it up because he didn't mean it. This part of our twisted childhood hurts my soul in ways I can't explain. My sister had always been the rule follower and a lover of law, so I can only imagine the heartache and shame she felt as she pretended she simply lied. As time went on, his sexual urges returned. I have no doubt two young daughters were his main reason for committing to his marriage. Being a little younger, I was not as brave as my sister. I kept the abuse a secret for a long time until one day I was at my father's and it all just poured out of me. 
I told my sister what had been happening. She calmly asked questions and took notes, just like they would on her favourite show, Law and Order, then told me we had to tell my dad, together. I remember feeling so terrified that dad would get angry at me, and the flood of relief I felt when he gently hugged me and told me that everything would be okay. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know how one ever truly moves on from childhood ab abuse, but goddamn, I'm so ready to try. Will. People keep telling me that forgiveness is the most powerful step in healing and moving forward. I'm not quite there. In fact, I'm not even close. I really struggle with forgiving someone that isn't even remotely sorry for what they have done. I don't know how to forgive when the only feeling I have is hate. I despise you, Will, you fat fuck. In fact, there are many nights I've prayed for your painful death. I imagine the joy I would feel knowing you no longer have the gift of air in your lungs. I imagine turning up to your funeral and ruining it all. Because to me, everyone is worthy of peace in their death, except for you. Except for anyone that hurts a child the way you did. Your apology letter to me, you remember, right? The one you did to get entry into a counselling program instead of prison. The one where you tell me you have always sexually fantasised about children and couldn't get me out of your sick fucking brain. Like that somehow translates to sorry for destroying your entire life. I hate your piss poor efforts of admission. I hate that you still couldn't be honest about how many times you abused me. I hate that you claimed you were sorry but would only admit enough to keep you from prison and in a rehabilitation program. So calculating. I hate that you couldn't even be thankful for getting away with your crimes and failed that program. You were so far gone that you couldn't even fake your way through a single session without getting aroused over children. I hate that you only received three months in prison for failing and for the years of abuse you inflicted. I hate that you moved back to our town right across from a public school, no less, telling everyone we made it up. You even had a friend beat me up when I approached you, ask, asking you why you weren't sorry. Your friend must have felt really tough beating up on a teenager. I still remember you laughing when I was on the ground hysterical. I hate that sometimes the flashbacks of your mouth on me are so vivid that I immediately throw up. I hate that my mother chose you over her own children and you still wanted to find a way to force yourself back into our lives. I hate that you destroyed my relationship with my own father for many years. You took part in poisoning me against him, making me believe that he wanted to steal my sister and I from mum when all he wanted to do was save us from you. I hate that you took my innocence. I hate that sometimes playing a video game can make me become so frightened I begin to shake, remembering what you'd do while I tried to play the game. You remember, Alex the Kid was one of the games you enjoyed cheering me on with. I hate that you made me afraid to give birth because I didn't want to feel so vulnerable. I hate that because of your abuse, in the eyes of the system, I'm labelled as a high-risk family that could abuse my own children. Even in adulthood, victims are punished, while the perpetrators live a free and easy life. I hate that you were once a Santa Claus at a shopping centre and potentially abused hundreds of innocent children. There's so many more details I hate, Will, but the thing I hate the most is the control you've had over my life, even after your hands finished touching my body. So please know this, you may live your days happy and free, but I wholeheartedly believe in karma and I do take comfort in the fact that one day, whether it's this life or the next, you will pay for what you've done. Until then, I'll keep breaking these chains so you can't live with the satisfaction of breaking me. And just to spoil your rotten fantasies, if I had my time again, I would chop your tiny dick clean off. To anyone still reading this, please understand there is no rehabilitation for these creatures. A sexual desire is not something that can be changed. 
There should be no second chances and certainly no acceptance or understanding. And please, I beg you, if your child suffers abuse, listen to them, believe them, and for fuck's sake, put them first. Above all, don't turn a blind eye. Don't keep quiet. Shout these names from the rooftop so that parents who give a shit can actually protect their children. Who knows how many innocent lives you will save. I must admit, writing this has left me feeling the same dirty way I felt during my childhood. Guilty. Ashamed. But enough is enough of the victim shaming and the fear around speaking the truth. I hope I can encourage other survivors to share their truths and to break the stigma around remaining quiet and not telling everyone we can and oh, and not telling everyone we can about these predators so they can stop living their lives in private. They deserve to feel the shame we have lived with. So I forgot that I had written him a letter in that. <laughs> um, okay. <sighs> anyway, so, um, yeah, it's been a crazy journey. And I think back then when I wrote that, I, I was just – touching the water, just dipping my toes in on this healing and shifting through that and acknowledging how heavy that pain still was for me. Um, and I guess after I wrote that, I, I tried to convince myself that was my healing and pushed it down again, you know, push it down. Don't have feelings. Don't shift through that. Don't, you know, allow yourself to break down. And now here I am having a mental breakdown and I'm forced to shift through absolutely everything that's led me here. And it's, disheartening to know that all of these people in my life could have prevented it. And I really, I firmly believe that if you ignore abuse, you are just as guilty as the person that is abusing. You are just as guilty. And I hope the people in my family that were triggered by my, you know, 30 second fucking TikTok, I hope you take that on. You are just as guilty as the person that laid his hands on me. You are just as guilty as your brother who abused children in our family that you fucking ignore. Just as fucking guilty. And the abuse that they've ignored isn't just the sexual abuse from me and my sister and the sexual abuse from this fucking monster that abused our cousins. But this person used to... um, you know, emotionally um, and narcissistically abuse his stepchildren. And, um, you know, I'll go into that more later, but, you know, one of the things, and I was speaking with my cousin about this and my sister, and we can, you know, remember like there was a game he would play called Spot the Idiot and he and we'd all have to play as children and he'd shine the torch on his stepchildren and it would only ever end up on them or one of our other cousins that he was abusing and we'd all have to play and he'd, or do it over and over. All the adults knew this was happening. You know, another thing I can remember is, you know, he would um, uh, rub his finger in peanut butter and thought it was a big joke to chase them around pretending that he'd rubbed his, like he would reenact it and put his pants, hands down his pants and pretend that he'd shit himself and that it was shit. And he would run around to these, to my cousins and, um, you know, say he's going to rub it in their face and sit on them and rub it in. And then like, it was a big joke. So it was just peanut butter. Like, Anyway, there's so much to unpack around that. And all the fucking aunties and uncles, like they knew, they knew this shit. Turn their eyes if it's a funny joke or he's having a joke. Ha ha, big funny joke. So the trauma that they would carry is horrendous, especially when no one's fucking acknowledged it. But yeah, that's, um, that's another story for another day. But yeah, right now I'm really, really trying to shift through and heal through this 
sexual abuse and I'm, I'm constantly going to put it out there and, and hope that somehow this aligns me with the right people. But um, if you know William, Noel, Vincent, Aylward, and you know where he is, I would really love to be kept updated because, um, one, I'm always going to speak his name. People deserve to know and people are going to fall for his shit and believe him. That's their prerogative and I feel, you know, horrendous for their children. Um, but I want to know because I want to be able to know when he dies. I genuinely in my heart feel part of my healing lies in attending his funeral and fucking shitting on his coffin. <laughs> I don't care if you think that's weird and sadistic, but he deserves no respect at any point of his life and he ruins so much of mine, I want to fucking ruin his final moment. So if you do happen to know him or know where he is, please keep me updated so I can know when he finally fucking falls off his perch. It'll be the best day of my life. Um, <laughs> and I'm also really trying to connect and um, I'll do another TikTok over the next day or two um, and find other people that had gone through that program, Cedar Cottage. It was um, uh, closed down, I think it was closed down in 2014. Don't quote me on that. I'll have to go and double check that from my digging. Um, who knows if another program has been put into place, but I really, really would love to speak. And I know, you know, some of those participants um, aren't going to be open about things. They're not going to want to share it or even feel comfortable talking or, or reopening those wounds. But I'm really hoping that I can find a few people to talk to. And, you know, if they want to take their story public, amazing, I'll help them do that. But if if they if they don't want any of it public, but they're happy to just communicate, I desperately want to have those conversations and go, what are your thoughts on this? What are your feelings? Like, how did you feel during the program? How did it work out for you? Were you, you know, kept away from this predator? Because part of the conditions of the program was supposed to be that, um, you know, the victim isn't in contact with the abuser. But we would often have conversations with him. He'd ring us on the phone. We'd go and have visits without anyone knowing, like, there was no one policing that. There was no one policing that. We were still subjected to be near this perverted piece of shit, um, which really disturbs me. And I can't help but feel that this program, I don't know, was it some form of, of childhood uh, abuse ring? Like was it a child trafficking ring or something? Like why would you, who would ever think in their right mind to get a group of 200 or so perverts child abusers and put them in a room with each other and, and have the ability to connect with each other. Like, don't fucking tell me that they didn't have their group program and then, you know, pretend they weren't going to talk to each other later and went off to the pub together and shared fucking stories. Like that's, you know, statistically speaking, maybe one or two of them acknowledged I've got a sick fucking problem. I can't be around children. But bullshit. I guarantee you those other ones sat around having a fucking feast going, oh, yeah, what'd you do to your kid? Oh, that's what I did to mine. How can we get away with it next time? Guarantee you. And another thing I've learned about this fucking program is that the the participants, right, to get into this program, you'd, you'd have to fucking, you know, acknowledge some of the stuff you'd done. You'd get accepted to the program. They were given um, basically a get-out-of-jail-free card to turn around and admit other abuse, right? So some of these people had had disclosed, oh, look, I did this and I did that and I touched her there. And then in the program, they acknowledged and admitted that they, you know, forcefully raped the child and went back to court. And instead of getting jail for that, had the judges go, wow, wow, that's amazing that you're taking ownership. We really appreciate that level of honesty. 
you know, good, go back to the program, good job, go back to the program. Like what? And it was only, um, so Will, my ex-stepdad, he only admitted to doing the things to my sister in the program. And she only got her, um, her voice heard and her justification that he actually did stuff again by him coming clean through that program. If he didn't do that, she still would have been fobbed off as the, you know, little kid who lied. Like, it's just this side, it's fucking blows my mind. This whole thing is just so horrific to me. And I, I'm really in a quest now to dive into who, who was behind this program. How did this come about? Who, um, who was actually working there? Oh, God, I would love to find the names of the people that worked there and ask them how they fucking live with themselves, how they truly believed these, they could rehabilitate these monsters and allow these fucking incidences to happen. Like, just, anyway, there's a fucking lot to unpack, isn't there? <clears throat> but, um, yeah, and I, I would really be curious to know if there are other programs or if there's been other previous programs similar in the past to that. I think this program, that I, again, I'll have to go, double, go back and double check, but I think it started in, like, the 70s or the 80s. Like, oh, anyway, so yeah, so that's where I'm at. That's why a lot of my content is diving into this. It's just about me finally shifting through this. And obviously it's been on the surface for quite some time. You know, I got to writing that letter and it's been festering there. And, um, you know, mum and I, like we've always had arguments over the years. And I guess because, you know, within me, I resent her for that. She chose her partner over myself because she stayed with him. Like she stayed with him after he admitted to what, uh, he did. Um, and she wanted to be a family again, again. And now she says she hates him right now. She'll have conversations like a oh, sicko, like what, it, like we don't sit down and regularly talk about him, but like, I don't know if child abuse come up or something, right. She would say that it's gross, but the only reason that they, separated he broke up with her so when he when he failed this counseling program this rehabilitation program and then got three months in jail um when he had that happen he rang my sister or he rang the house and my sister answered and he told my sister to tell my mum that he wasn't in love with her anymore he didn't want to be with her anymore so then my sister a child was left without responsibility. And thankfully we had family staying with us at the time. Again, fucking family that fucking excused whatever, but whatever. Um, she then told them before she told my mum and then they went with her to my mum and, and laid that information out so it wasn't just up to my sister to, take, to say. But my mum was devastated that he broke up with her. So I'm like, you know, I've always asked over the years, like... We, at what stage did you decide to hate him? Do you only hate him because he broke up with you? Like, would you have had a, a light bulb moment when he come back to live with us? Like, I don't understand or comprehend. And she's always said, you know, she's dismissed any questions I've ever had. I don't have to pay for my mistakes and blah, 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 blah. Like, I'm trying to move on. And, you know, I don't want her to, I don't, I don't want her to, um, you know, feel like a piece of shit every day of her life. Like, I don't want her to feel like that. But... If you're truly sorry, like, shouldn't you want to give your child answers? Like, I can vividly remember being a teenager and, you know, considered an off-the-rails teenager by her and everyone around me because I was trying to cope with my fucked-up childhood. 
we had, but anyway, I remember being on my hands and knees, like literally begging her, begging, howling, and with my hands up in a praying position, like just pleading, how could you stay with him? Like, please tell me, like, please just give me some answers. And her just being like, ah, oh, you know, I don't have to pay for this. I don't have to pay for this for the rest of my life. Like, well, you kind of fucking do. Like, you owe your child that at the very least, if your child's still fucking communicating with you. And I know so many people would have been like, cut her off. I would have cut her off fucking years ago. But I don't know whether it was just, you know, me and my desperation to have family and, you know, want to be loved and desperately want a mum. Like, you know, I've, I've kept her in my life. But, you know, she is she is a better grandmother than she was mother. She is a better grandmother. And I, you know, and I know that in her way she's tried to make things right and whatever, but it's it hasn't been the right steps. And I guess she's got her own mental issues and, you know, I think it was, was it just before Christmas or something around that time? Anyway, things blew up with us again and we had a big fight because she'll often, she'll often comment on my parenting, right? Thinks I'm too strict on the kids or I might yell too much that day or whatever. And it immediately triggers me. It sends me from zero to a hundred, just like that, just like that, because I don't think that you have the right to comment on somebody's parenting when you fucked a pedophile. Like, it's just as simple as that. I call me crazy, call me fucking crazy, but I just don't think, I think you lose that right, right? Don't come to me as a fucking mother trying to offer advice on how to parent when you couldn't fucking parent. I don't fucking do that. So it's a huge trigger for me, especially like being exhausted and just motherhood and all this stuff, right? So it triggers me and we, and we have these huge fights. It just fucking erupts. And we had this huge fucking fight one day. And that, then I also get really triggered because she doesn't stop. Like she just keeps going and saying these snarky little things and yelling. And I'm like, fucking don't do this shit in front of my kids. I don't want my kids to have this shit in their life or reflect back on this when they're adults. Like I had a fucked up childhood. I've tried to shield them from all of that negativity, the fighting, the drama, the, the, you know, the bullshit. Like I've kept them away from any of her family because I don't want them to see mental fucking patients. Like I don't want that shit in my life. And you know, we had this big fight and she kept going again, 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 triggering me, triggering me, triggering me. I just fucking snapped and I'm like, you're fucking, you know, doing this, you're fucking doing that. You're still fucking, um, you know, she's still married. She's still married. That's really fucking hard to say. Oh, again, I know so many people will be so angered, but please just like, I know, like I know all these things, all right? I don't need you guys to fucking say it to me, but she's still married. So, you know, I remember screaming, she was out the front and just carrying on. And I'm like, fuck, are you still fucking married? Like, you can't even fucking get that together. Like, if you, like, how could you remain married to someone? But she, I guess that's her mental health stuff as well. Like, she just can't do anything. Like, she can't function as a fucking adult. She can barely function, right? She just can't get her shit together to do anything. And then I also get really triggered by that because I just want a mum. I want a mum that comes in and, you know, will help and, and do the dishes and you know, speak to you happily and whatever. And she still just can't fucking even do that. Like one time she was over here and I was really just in a really good mood. I got my nails done. It's when I had the cat design and they were so beautiful. And I'd got, um, my scrunchies from Anthelion Co, this big box she'd sent out with all these beautiful presents in it. And, you know, these are the crystal infused scrunchies. And I was just so excited. And I looked at the box and the package that was sitting there and I was like, oh God, like I'll go and show mum. Like I'll tell her about it. Right. And she, I think she was cooking dinner. Or, yeah. She must have been cooking dinner or stirring the pasta or something. And I was like, oh, mum, you haven't even commented on my nails. In my head, this is how I thought the conversation would go. I was like, 
um, oh, mum, you know, I just got my nails done. She might be like, oh, wow, like that's really detailed, you know. And then I'll be like, yeah, look what else I got today. Like I got my scrunchies, so cool, right? Anyway, so I was like, oh, mum, you haven't even commented on my nails. And she's like, that's because I don't fucking like them. And I, it's fucking stabbed me, like stabbed me, right? She probably doesn't even recall saying this or she'll act like she didn't say it. And I just shut down and I was like, wow. Even the kids were like, oh, men. And they like, then I just tried to laugh it off and make a joke of it. But fuck, that hurt me. It hurt me so much. So then I just closed the box of scrunchies. I didn't say anything. I just walked off. And yeah, like I just, I hate, like for me, I don't know. I don't know. Everyone's fucking different. But one would think, you know, if someone was really sorry for what they did, like wouldn't they come in and do those nice things and like she literally doesn't talk to me at all when she comes here. It's so fucking weird. It's so weird. It's just a weird experience. But anyway, so that's where I'm at. Had a huge blowout with her around that time. And um, so then it was, you know, it's been awkward since. She's seen the kids like once or twice. Um, the boys went to stay at her house for a night or two. I think they went for two nights. Um and I've just, yeah, I've not responded or spoken to her. And she reached out and sent a message. I can't even remember what it said now, but in it, she'd said, you know, she'd like to go to counselling. She doesn't want to keep living like this. And I know we tried counselling ages ago, years and years and years and years and years ago. Um, but again, like she played herself off to be the victim and I just fucking gave up on it. But I said to her, I said, right, well, if you, if you organise the counselling, I'll go. Like, because this isn't healthy. This isn't, and I do, like, I do want to, try and have some form of relationship, right? So I'm like, you go and organise it and I'll go. Well, it's been weeks and weeks and guess what? Nothing's been fucking organised. It won't get organised. She won't do shit. She doesn't do fucking shit unless someone's fucking hounding her about it. So then that hurts even more that she can't make me be a fucking priority, but she can go out now and she's adopted a dog from the pound and, you know, priorities, you know. Oh, anyway. (laughs) Emotional damage. (laughs) There's so... There's so much to unpack and I don't know, I don't even know where to start, but I've got my doctor's appointment, when's that, next week now. Um, I was supposed to go out, it's out at Bellingen though, and it's like 45 minutes or 50 minutes to get there and I just, I just don't have it in me to do that, you know, drive there, have the appointment, drive back, so, you know, three hours out of your day, I can't be bothered, so... I just rang up and I changed that to a telehealth appointment and hopefully I can still get a script because I don't know if I'm not going to be there in person. Like I'm hoping because they know me or they know me a little bit, um, you know, that I'll be able to get a script that way for the antidepressants. Hopefully I haven't fucking ruined that opportunity and I'll have to make another appointment. But anyway, that's next week. So I'm looking forward to that because I really want to get antidepressants. I really want to get a mental health plan to start reaching out and try and find a counsellor or a psychologist. Um, I'm not naive enough to think the first one's going to be the right one for me, but I think I'm mature enough and strong enough now to try and push through and find other ones if it's not working for me, acknowledge that it's not working and not be like, oh, they're all shit, you know, because I'm sure there's some good ones out there and it's just about finding them. But um. Yeah, so that's that's where I'm at and I guess that's my start, you know, start taking this medication to help me get through and try and make some better choices. And I, I also want to speak to the doctor about trying to speak with someone about um, binge eating. Um, like, again, I've touched on it briefly. I've suffered with eating disorders on and off since a teenager and, 
like I'm really struggling with this binge eating. So um, I, I think I'm at the point now where I need to communicate and talk with somebody about that. And yeah, so baby steps is healing. It's all baby steps. I, I also, I felt very strongly in the past um, and I really need to get on top of that. So maybe it's all aligned for a reason. Maybe I had to break to push myself to get on antidepressants to give me enough strength to get through what I need to go through because I really want to find somebody that does womb healing. And I think when I do that womb healing, it probably is going to be really traumatic. So it's probably a good thing that I have some support there. Um, I know that I need to nourish my body a lot more. Like while I'm putting all this shit food in my body, it's doing nothing for my brain because we know that gut health is everything. It's key to every part of healing. So I need to take better choices and start to work on my gut health a little bit more and, um, yeah, nourish my body. And, and I know that I feel better when I do all these things, but it's just, I've lacked the motivation. So hopefully once I take this medication and starts kicking in and working, I can start doing all those steps, like getting up a bit earlier and going for a longer walk and doing a workout again and drinking all the water and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, so I know that this content isn't, um, for everyone, I know some people that have been abused, you know, still find it quite triggering and maybe don't want to listen to these things or watch, but I I have to purge it all. I have to purge it all. And I, I've always found for me, healing has come in and speaking and been speaking out about these things. And, you know, probably that lies within the abuse. You know, I kept a secret for so long. Um, this is the best way for me to get it out, talk, talking it out and sharing it and, you know, not holding back on anything. And, you know, I think because I've held back on so much of my mum's stuff, like that's helped, you know, drown me a little bit more. And, you know, the Dave ordeal, you know, keeping us such a dirty secret for four years, like it, it's fucking been so overwhelming, the whole thing. So here I am purging it all out. It's not always going to be comfortable, probably won't always make sense. Probably some things I still won't be able to share or feel ready to share just yet. But um, healing is a long process and I really want to start breaking those shackles of the fucking you know generational trauma and, and healing for my babies and letting them see me heal and grow and understand that these things are okay to work through and hopefully not fuck them up along the way um but yeah anyway thanks for listening again to my rants and rambles and hopefully it all made sense um Maybe at some stage I should start actually preparing these podcasts and having notes <laughs> and being, I don't know, having a baseline. But right now I'm just fucking sitting here and I'm winging it and I don't ha- and I'm still just here on my phone. I don't have the proper equipment. Like this year I really want to manifest a proper computer, a proper microphone, a proper fucking setup <laughs> to do all these professionally. But right now it's all raw and vulnerable and you're all just coming on that journey with me. And when I finally get my shit together, I can't wait to share it all with you then. So yeah, but thank you again. I say it every time, but I'm always, I truly am so thankful to everybody that listens to these episodes that messages me saying, when's the next one coming out? Like we're waiting for the next one. We love them so much. I'm so thankful. And I know I'm not the best at responding to messages and I know I'm not the best at responding to comments, but like I see you all and I appreciate you. And and I hope that I can get in a stronger headspace this year to, you know, give more of myself and, you know, respond a little bit more, but I do see it and I appreciate it. And and I'm thankful for everybody that shared my journey and continues to share my journey and be in my corner. Like it means the world to me. And yeah, it's very, it's very humbling to have um, 
so many people love and support you and find comfort in the things that you say, even the raw, messy, vulnerable, bullshit parts that many find cringy. There are so many people that are still so thankful for that because there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of pretending on social media, pretending we're okay, or even, you know, oh, I'm having a bad day, but it's still the hair's done, the makeup's done, it's still very poised and professional and filmed, you know, with a ring light and that's just not from me. Like eventually I'd love to get some really crisp, beautiful content on there. Trust me, like <laughs> I wish I could do that. But um, yeah, I just think we need to be vulnerable and real about things. And and I find it really comforting when I see those real moments from other people. So I'm I'm really glad that I can help be a little part of that for so many that need to see that rawness and that realness and that vulnerability and even coming along on these unplanned fucking podcasts that probably go here, there and everywhere. Like it's okay to not have your shit together and be planned and perfect and poised and just letting it all flow out. Like that's hopefully me doing my shit as messy as it is encourages you to do that because I purging is healing, man. There's the truth will set you free. And yeah, it's just a beautiful journey to be on. So once again, thank you to everybody. Um, yeah, it's nice to be able to have these moments to get everything out. I'm enjoying getting back into the flow of doing this and I'm going to go. I still haven't showered today. It's 1.30 and I stink really badly, but I'm very excited. I got a new product um, today and I want to share that with you guys um, later on. But uh, yeah, I'm going to go and have a shower. I'm actually going to go and wash my hair and um, make my bed and, you know, film this product and feel like I've been a little bit productive today. So it's really, really nice. But yeah, anyway, thank you guys again. And I will hopefully be back in another week with another episode of Outspoken. Have a great day, guys. Thank you all for listening to my podcast. Make sure you are following all of my socials. We've got Instagram with Sarah Mills underscore amongst the stars. TikTok is Sarah Mills underscore ATS1 for now. Who knows until we get that one banned. YouTube is probably Sarah Mills amongst the stars as well. I don't know. Find a link tree. They'll all be in there. Thanks, guys.